2: All right, thank you very much for tuning in. Again, another fantastic open from Mario Ruiz. Lakers talk tonight till 8 p.m. Looking forward to have Michael Thompson on at 7.30, so in about a half hour or so, Michael will join the show. Uh, Got a lot of questions for Michael. Obviously, uh, we'll talk about the Golden State Warriors, the Dallas Mavericks. I got playoff questions for him, and then, of course, I got uh, a lot of Laker questions for him as well. Um, Quick rundown of what we're going to do on the show. Do you believe that the Lakers – will have Russ remain a part of this team. I think we're starting to get more and more rumors about uh, um, on that front. Um, I don't know if I'm buying it. I'll get into exactly what I'm referring to there. Uh, the other piece of this is I, I want to break down the Lakers coaching candidates in three different categories, um, coaches that are currently in the league, coaches that don't currently have a job but have experience as a head coach, and then assistant coaches that have not uh, got a chance yet to run their own team. So I'll break down those categories. And I I listen, and I want to spend some time here on the NBA playoffs. Last night, we had two Game 7s that I want to get into, um, what that Luka-Mavs matchup against the Warriors will be, and then the Celtics and the Heat. So we've got uh, a lot that we're going to uh, cover on tonight's show. First off, I want to start off with this. Um, Like I mentioned, I I think this is more of uh, how much do you believe this? This is the best way that I can put it. There was um, a couple different articles that we had over the last few days. Sam Amick of The Athletic. I'm going to read off something here because I, I think this is the the question mark about, oh, well, Russ, they're obviously going to get rid of Russell West uh, Westbrook once the season ends and Once free agency starts or once the draft comes around, the Lakers will, of course, move on from the Russ experiment. It didn't work with the Lakers. They played 21 games with LeBron and Anthony Davis and never really felt like there was a right connection. The vision that you might have had about Anthony Davis and Russ playing a bulk of the season together so that Bron could just be more prepared for the play. None of that panned out the way it did. So I've always been under the belief that even though Russ will eventually opt into his contract for 47.4 million dollars. This notion that Russell Westbrook um, remaining part of the the Lakers program is seeming to be more real. This is what Sam Amick was uh, reporting. I'm gonna I'm gonna actually read off um, one specific quote from the article. He said, "Despite the widely held belief that the Lakers would find a way to trade uh, Westbrook." Before the start of next season, sources say their coaching candidates have been asked to discuss how they would use him in their system during interviews. The takeaway for candidates, it seems, is that maximizing Russ's presence after his disastrous 2021-2022 season is considered an important part of the job. Okay. Um, Bill Orm had an article, what was that, maybe two weeks ago or so, and the thought process was, you know what, you're better off keeping Russ to start the season. And then create more value for him because that expiring contract can be more valuable as you get a little bit closer to that trade deadline. Now you have teams saying, you know what, the Lakers, maybe they're not backed up into a corner where they feel like this is the number one option. This is certainly what they have to do before the season starts. And I argued against that. I said that um, I I think the last thing you're going to do for a team that is in a you have to win right now, we're always all in with LeBron James, and that window is continuing to close every year that you don't do something or you don't compete for something. Is another year lost with LeBron? And frankly, um, I don't know if that window is apparently still open or not. I, I, and it's not LeBron's fault. It's part of this is father time. And the other part is how many games are Anthony Davis? is Anthony Davis going to play? What's the rest of the roster look like? Is the Western Conference only getting stronger? There's a lot of things that, that factor against the Lakers. Um, this idea and thought process of, well, you know, maybe teams will think you really want him. Maybe teams will think that um, there's this notion out there that maybe the Lakers, they're they're not going to try to move heaven and earth to get rid of Russ. Maybe they will start off the season next year with Russ, and that can create more value around uh, Russell Westbrook, and, and you kind of take it from there. I, I've never bought into it. I really haven't. Uh, I guess for me, I think teams know how desperate the Lakers are to try to compete this upcoming season. I I don't think there's any secret to that. Uh, LeBron's about to be in his 20th season in the NBA. Of course there's a desperation to wanting to take uh, as much advantage as you can, which, by the way, even if they don't compete for another championship again, all right, well, LeBron accomplished his goal. Lakers got championship number 17. He got his fourth title. He's going to eventually break the the all-time scoring record. Uh, held by Kareem, and he's going to most likely do it in a Laker uniform, in a Laker jersey. So um, I I don't think it's a secret what the Lakers are hoping for this upcoming season. I don't think it's a secret that the Lakers are kind of backed into a corner. I don't think it's a secret that if you bring Russ back to start off training camp next season and your vision isn't, hey, we're going to keep this guy – and this is who we're rolling with because we truly feel we have a chance. Our best chance to compete is with these three players together. And then what other ever complement of players you can find after that? Um, I don't think anybody's buying that. I really don't. I, I don't think anybody's, you know, thinking that the Lakers believe truly, truly, and genuinely uh, believe that that's their best chance of winning this upcoming season. Now that doesn't mean that. The Lakers can't find themselves in some kind of a position where y- you want to compete for a chip and you want to trade Russ, but it just doesn't make sense. That teams, The teams that you thought might be interested are actually not interested. That The teams that are interested are basically asking for everything and the return that you're going to get back, you don't feel like improves your chances of competing next year. I'm not saying that that scenario can't play out, but I feel like... Reading this report from Sam Amick, the report that was from Bill Orem a couple of weeks ago or so about the smarter move is to keep Russ, I just don't know if everyone around the league is really kind of buying into that. I could be wrong. And again, like I said, the Lakers could just find themselves in a position where they say, we're not giving up any more draft compensation. If this contract's going to expire, we're going to let it expire when it does. And unless we have a deal that we feel like makes most sense for us, we're just not going to go and make a deal the I did this with Travis we were talking about this this morning as far as Westbrook his name coming up with coaching candidates and having been asked to discuss how they use him I'm not actually as surprised in that um uh, Trav thought it was a at least what he was trying to explain is that you know the answer should be if it's an honest coach well I'm not going to use him and he's not a good fit on this team. I, I didn't fall into that. I, I think you have to that could be a variable that could that could potentially happen this year. And maybe the right answer from some of these head coaching candidates is um, you know what? I think the right thing to do is to bring him off the bench. And this is how I would use him. And I think if he's on the floor with these types of lineups, I think that's where he can have most of his success. Or when him and Anthony Davis are on the floor together, this is what I'm thinking. Or if LeBron I think it's part of these you know, potential candidates to look at the guys that are currently on your roster or under contract and figure out, okay, what could it look like? Now, I'm sure part of those other questions are, hey, if Russ wasn't on this team, what kind of players do you feel like you'd round up the roster with to complement LeBron James and Anthony Davis? I'm sure all of those questions uh, uh, come to – I'm sure there are plenty of those types of questions when you're in your interviewing head coaches – And when you're trying to find the next right fit for the Lakers head coaching job, I'm not surprised that that's there. If there's growing momentum that the Lakers will probably have Russell Westbrook on this roster by the time training camp starts or by the time the NBA draft comes and free agency comes and they don't end up trading him, if that happens, I really don't believe that was by plan. I believe that will probably be because they didn't have another option we'll have to obviously wait to see what happens i am not one that thinks bringing russ back do i think that's a good idea i don't think it's a good idea could they fall into that mix even though they think it may not be a good idea that can happen either way okay as far as um as far as the next head coach of the lakers so since the last time i d- i did a lakers talk not a lot has changed but one big piece has The Doc Rivers piece of this, once they were eliminated um, in the uh, playoffs by the Miami Heat, six games, um, it sounds like the organization of the Sixers, they want to keep Doc Rivers. They want to keep Doc Rivers, and they want him back in Philadelphia, and the chance of Doc Rivers potentially leaving Philadelphia to come coach the Lakers seems a lot less likely than it did a week ago. So I I want to break down – I'm putting the – I'm putting the next Lakers head coach. I think there's three different categories here. Three different categories of, I guess you could say, three different groups of a, a Lakers potential candidate to be the head coach. And I, I'm going to break that down here real quick. I think there's current coaches in the NBA that currently have a job. And I think we're all finding out those are becoming more and more of a pipe dream or – um. Maybe another name comes up. He's a current head coach in the NBA, and then uh, out of nowhere, a, a, a team fires him. But the Quinn Snyders, the Nick Nurses, the Doc Rivers, those are the three coaches that were mentioned in the past. That's one group, current coaches that are currently head coaches in the NBA. Another group is a former coach but doesn't have a job right now, right? Terry Stotts, Kenny Atkinson, Mark Jackson. These are all um, names of coaches that have been in the league in the past at some point, but don't currently have a head coaching position, or don't have a a, a job at all. I'll use Terry Stotts as an example there. So th- those are all, I think, good examples of coaches that have either been interviewed for the Lakers or have been talked about around the Lakers. And then the last category is assistant coaches that. Um, you know, have even been talked about being front runners. So they've never been head coaches in the NBA, but they're assistant coaches right now. Darvin Ham, the assistant coach of the Bucks; Charles Lee, assistant coach of the Bucks; Adrian Griffin, we heard his name a couple of weeks ago, assistant coach of the Raptors. Um, David Vanderpool, that's a, another assistant for the Nets there. I use these guys as examples as well. These are all guys that um, like I said, don't have head coaching experience, but either played in the league or are sitting currently right now sitting as an assistant coach. The more I kind of I, I lean towards what should the Lakers do with their head coaching position, I kind of find myself in an interesting spot here. I find myself um, kind of looking in a different direction, that if it's not going to be this group of coaches I almost think the Lakers, I'd be willing for them to roll the dice and take a chance on somebody else. I'll tell you what I'm talking about coming up next. Quick reminder, Michael Thompson's going to join us in about 15 minutes. When we come back, I want to break down who I think I'm willing to take a a chance at as far as the next head coach for the Lakers. And experience is, is, I guess you could say, less uh, a part to do with it. Plus, my thoughts on the uh, current NBA playoffs. We'll do all that coming up next. Stay right here, Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. All right, welcome back to Lakers Talk. Uh, Appreciate everybody tuning in. By the way, I don't know if you guys have tried out the new podcast, the new app for uh, ESPN LA. Just uh, search ESPN LA. Um, It's fantastic. You get Lakers Talk. We got our own channel right there. Every show that I do uh, goes obviously up on the channel. And it's very clean, very easy to use if you're in areas, maybe you're outside of L.A., and you still want to listen, uh, all the shows, you can catch all of them, whether it's Travis and Sliwa in the morning, Mason and I, all the shows you can catch them, Sedano and Cap, uh, catch them on the uh, uh, new app, the ESPNLA app.
1: Okay. Feeling like you need a marketing degree and an extra day in your week to successfully market your small business? Let Constant Contact do the heavy lifting for you. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall.
2: So I I think for me, I, I was leaning towards, I think I've said this plenty of times before, Nick Nurse was my favorite of any of the coaches that I've heard that have been chatted about around the Lakers. Nick Nurse was my favorite, top pick, no question about it. I leave that one there. Uh, Nick Nurse Nurse is not going to come coach the Lakers. He's just not going to happen. Toronto's going to keep him. I was starting to lean towards Doc Rivers as well. Uh, Doc, for me, was, you know what, this guy has coached superstars in the past. KG, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, Chris Paul, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, James Harden, Joel Embiid. One of his stronger attributes is trying to have stars work together. Now, I would also want really good assistant coaches there, maybe more of X's and O coaches. And Doc Rivers, um, for a brief moment there, I thought it's a short-term solution for the Lakers while they're in this, still in this window. Doc looks like he's off the table in Philadelphia. Uh, I, I've gave I've given my thoughts before on Quinn Snyder, and and to be fair, I think if Quinn Snyder was available, I think the Lakers would go after him. Maybe he stays in Utah. We'll see what happens. I, I'm not as I'm not as keen as some of these former head coaches. Um, I think this happens a lot of times in the NBA. Mike Brown just got the the job with uh, Sacramento Kings. I feel like a lot of these coaches, at least the ones that are, are mentioned here, yeah, we've seen them. We've seen what they've done. There's a reason why they're not currently head coaches in the NBA right now. Now you can make a case and say, well, Frank Vogel was one of those guys. He came in and he obviously won a championship with the Lakers. You're right. You're not wrong on that. Um. But one of the name, one of the names that I'm starting to find myself pay more and more attention to is Darvin Ham. Uh, there was a, an article. Jovan Bua had this of the Athletic, who's been obviously a guest of the show for a, a number of times. He said two coaches that have already been interviewed are early favorites. Lakers have been linked to over a dozen candidates for their head coaching vacancy, but none of them have emerged as clear front runners yet. Darvin Ham and Terry Stotts are probably the closest to current favorites. You know, I, I I kinda have a philosophy here when it comes to uh this Lakers team. Um, and I and I've I've said this a couple different times. I was uh doing the show over the weekend. This came up in a conversation with Jim Hill, doing a show with him, doing some T V on Saturday, and I said this a couple times with Travis as well. It doesn't have to be the name. It doesn't have to be somebody that um Has been a head coach in the NBA in the past. What I think is more important, just as important, is um, is it somebody that Rob Palenka believes? Man, I I think this guy. I I think this is the leader. I think this is the guy. What he's doing right now with the Milwaukee Bucks. I'm just let me use Darvin Ham as an example. Does he have head coaching experience? He doesn't. But was he in a a, a player in this league for ten years? Okay, he was. Does he know kind of the personalities, what it takes to be a player's coach, what it takes to motivate some of these guys? Has he sat in those shoes as a player before? Okay, he has. Has he been with a good organization over these last couple of years, maybe even some some championship experience on that bench? Okay, he has. That's the Milwaukee Bucks. I'm not saying it's got to be this guy, but part of me feels if somebody like Rob Palenka. He, If you want to, I guess you can say, take a little bit of a chance because you feel like that's the right coach to lead this Lakers team, you don't have to just depend on that experience. You don't. You can go with your gut instinct. You can pick a guy that you feel um, can accomplish what you're looking for and can help motivate these guys and challenge guys like LeBron James and challenge guys like Anthony Davis. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Ultimately, what I hope, and I, I think I'm, I might have mentioned this last week, ultimately what I hope is that Rob Palenka doesn't go with the wind. He goes, who, he goes with who he feels would be the best coach of the Los Angeles Lakers for the next couple of years. And I say that because there are a lot of influences right now that are around the Lakers organization. We've heard Phil Jackson is an advisor. Magic Johnson obviously has an ear in Genie Buss's ear. Uh, I don't have to tell you guys about Kurt Rambis. Genie Buss has talked about um, his influence on the organization and the front office. But at the end of the day, if Rob Palenka, who's the president of basketball operations, you got to go with what you feel. Because if you continue to do the, – the Russ thing is one example. I, I don't know what he felt like about Russ, but if he didn't feel like it was the right fit, then you know what? Um, ultimately, at the end of the day, the finger is not going to be pointed at Frank Vogel anymore. It's not going to be pointed at Russ anymore. It's going to be pointed at Rob Palenka. I've always said this, that this summer is so critical to Rob Palenka because I, I, I believe if that if he makes the wrong coaching hire or it's the wrong offseason that doesn't go the right way, these might be his final decisions as president of basketball operations for the Lakers. That's how important I, th- I believe this offseason is. But if he makes the right moves and he goes with his gut and he doesn't allow four, five, six different people to influence his decision – um then you know what? I'd rather take my chances with what I believe than with what other people believe. We'll see what he ends up doing. But those that's the way I would kind of group those three categories. Okay, I got to get into the NBA playoffs here. You know, there's been a lot of times when I'm doing Lakers talk that there's games going on while I'm doing the show. This is one of the unique nights where there are no games. And yesterday we had a couple game sevens decided. Um, we obviously know already the... Um, the Miami and the Sixers were decided last week, and then you got the, uh, the Warriors and Memphis decided on Friday. So the, the, the picture is clear. I'm going to go back for a quick second. I'm going to do this before Michael Thompson comes on. We'll continue this conversation. Last night was very, very interesting in the NBA. One game, no surprise to me, and one game of just an absolute shocker. So I, I thought the Boston Celtics were going to beat the Milwaukee Bucks. For a couple of reasons. Boston's a damn good team. Boston can win the whole thing here, and it would not be a shock or a surprise. That's how good the Celtics are, and I never really felt that way about them in years past. They just weren't there yet, and now I feel like they got a makeup where, no, no, they can win the whole thing. Um, they won game seven last night, and they beat the Milwaukee Bucks. Give them credit for how they played and how they demolished the, uh, the uh, Bucks yesterday, but they won because Chris Middleton wasn't there. I got so much respect for the Bucks and Giannis and the way they play, um, but you got to be healthy. And in this specific case, they obviously were not healthy enough, and that could very well determine whether you're a championship team or not. That's part of the NBA, and the Boston Celtics took advantage of it. And I'm not trying to take anything away from Boston, um, but that's that's a, a a big time reason why they ended up winning this series. And Chris Middleton, because he wasn't there, I thought Boston would win in six. They ended up winning in seven. And the Middleton factor had everything to do with it. I think nothing less of the Milwaukee Bucks. And here's a true opportunity for the Boston Celtics to get – the, the Celtics-Miami series, for me at least, that's a damn good series. Both of these teams kind of have a similar makeup. They play tough. They're, they got depth. They'll grind you out in a game – The difference for me between this series is I just think there's more offensive firepower from Boston. Tatum will be, walking into the series, the best player in the series. Then it's up to Jimmy Butler to say, no, no, that's me. Or it's up to the the Miami Heat to say, we'll slow him down. But I think this is going to be a fascinating series. I think the Eastern Conference is going to be really, really good. I still pick the Boston Celtics to win the series. We'll see what happens. Miami has home court. I don't think Kyle Lowry is going to go in the first game, unlikely to go in game one from what I read. So uh, I think this is going to be a great series. Okay, on the other side of it, before I get into the Dallas Mavericks, who will be taking on the uh, Golden State Warriors, I'm going to go back to game seven yesterday in the West. I thought the Suns were going to win the series. Why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I I think they're going to win the series? I just don't think Dallas, had, I just didn't think they had enough weapons. Luka is so by far the best player in that series. Some of his stats I saw earlier today, what was he, 32, 10, and 8? I think something like that. Um, he had more points than Devin Booker in the series, more assists than Chris Paul in the series, more rebounds than DeAndre Ayton in the series, more steals than Mikhail Bridges in the series. What? I mean, every stat going up against the uh, players on the opposing team, he was just unstoppable. And I got to be honest, it's something special to watch Luca right now. Luca right now is reminding me of when we got to see LeBron James in 2007 take on the Detroit Pistons and find a way to beat single-handedly the entire team of the Pistons. I'm not telling you that Spencer Dinwiddie and Jalen Brunson weren't big in Game 7, but come on now. Luca's superstar written all over him, takes the big moment against the Phoenix Suns, the team with the best record in the NBA, on the road and says, hop on my back, let's go through them, and let's not even make it a close game. Let's be up 30 at halftime. That was fun to watch. The problem is, coming into this next series, tell me how you beat the Golden State Warriors four times. I mean, they are the epitome of we got everything, we got experience, we got the full squad, they're going to have home court in this series. I, I Listen, I'd I love nothing more than to see Luca give this series a real run and see something special from this 23-year-old that doesn't look like anything bothers him or uh, gets in his way or any of that stuff. But, damn, that's going to be an incredibly tough feat. Uh, in my opinion, for Luka against the Golden State Warriors. And I'm looking forward to have this conversation with Michael Thompson coming up next. So we'll do that coming up next. Stay right here. Appreciate you guys being a part of the show. Michael Thompson coming up next, Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. All right, welcome back to Lakers Talk. Uh, I want to welcome in Michael Thompson. We got – listen, if we're going to get a breakdown of the NBA playoffs, we're going to talk some Lakers basketball. I'm sure Michael is always excited to do so. Uh, Michael, where do you want me to start? You want me to start in the Eastern Conference or the Western Conference?
0: Lakers talk. We've been off of work two months. We'll be doing
2: Lakers talk. We still got to do it, man. We still got to do it. 52 weeks out of the year. Well, you could say like 50 weeks out of the year. We may listen in the offseason, we just mix some Lakers and we talk some NBA playoffs. That's it. Robert Half research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI.
0: is 365 days a year. You're right about that. I'll
2: tell you what, you go watch First Take and Sports Center. They find plenty of different angles to talk Lakers basketball in the offseason.
0: Right? Yeah. Yeah, somehow Lakers always pop up like the weather or or uh or uh, economics It's always about the Lakers too.
2: That's right. Okay, okay, Michael, I'll start off with this. We had two game 7s yesterday.
0: Um Uh, horrible horrible Game 7s.
2: Well, let's start with the Phoenix Suns and the Dallas Mavericks. I I don't know, and I genuinely don't know what you predicted coming into the series. Did you think going into Game 7 yesterday, did you pick the Suns? Did you pick Dallas? Where were you leaning before the game started?
0: I picked that big uh, shiny thing in the sky. Nobody thought the Suns would be eclipsed yesterday. Nobody saw that coming. I mean, you can lose, of course, but losing by that – in that fashion, and I didn't think they would lose anyway. Going at home, I thought they'd be home court advantage would be the advantage for them. So that was shocking what happened yesterday. That must have been that had to be the biggest seventh game collapse in NBA history.
2: So what 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 you uh, listen? I'm I'm with you. At halftime, it was 57 to 27. Luca had more points than he actually. Spencer Dinwiddie, I want to say at halftime had more points than the entire starting lineup of the Phoenix Suns. What happened? That kind of colossal failure, like you said, you're at home, and I'll get into Luka in a second, but what happened to Phoenix?
0: There's no explanation for it. I can't imagine that they drove to the arena not ready to play, not uh, focusing on the job at hand. I can't believe they just showed up there and just went through the motions. So you you can't explain what happened yesterday. I mean, you can lose a Game 7 like what happened to the Warriors in the 16th Finals, but that came down to the last couple of shots but to lose in that fashion, uh, you know, I'm sure mentally they were prepared to play. So they just came out and one of those kind of days where everything that could go wrong went wrong, and uh, you, there's no explanation for it except just pick the the bad the bad time to have the worst day of the year.
2: I'm not saying that you know in the off season the Suns are going to blow everything. I'm not I'm not suggesting that. But I, I'm curious to know what do you do? You're the Phoenix Suns. Um, Chris Paul really didn't look right over the last few games. Um, DeAndre Ayton had five points yesterday. Kind of an interesting exchange. I'm waiting to hear to get more of this, but Monty Williams really didn't use him that much. I want to say only played 17 minutes. Um, The Suns had the best record in the NBA. It wasn't even close. They had an eight-game cushion I think that there's going to be – Patrick Beverly said this this morning. He said a lot of things this morning. But um, Pat Bev talked about how no one really fears the Phoenix Suns. What what What's their offseason going to look like? Do you think this team comes back next year knowing, look, the Clippers are going to get healthier, the Nuggets are going to get healthier, Memphis looks like an up-and-coming team, obviously, um, Golden State, Dallas Mavericks. We'll see what the Lakers do this offseason – is Phoenix in trouble here of what's to come or do you think, you know what, they just had a bad game in a bad
0: series? Well, Chris Paul will be back. He's, 30, he's going to be 38 next year. So you can't just trade him for any, any youthful pieces. Nobody's going to do that. And they have to resign DeAndre Ayton. They got no choice. Now they can just offer him the one year or he can choose to take the one year uh, deal and become an unrestricted free agent. But he's looking for a five year extension uh, for the max dollars that he can get. And, They may not, unless they want to sign him and then trade him, they've got no choice but to sign him and keep him around. Because if they lose him, then any chance to win a championship is definitely gone unless they think they can sign him and then trade him for a couple of young pieces that helps keep him atop of the West or around the top. But they've got no choice but to bring, I think, DeAndre Ayton back or at least to sign him to that money that he wants
2: okay let, let's now I want to go to uh, I want to go to Luca for a second and the Dallas Mavericks and then we'll kind of preview the Lakers and the War or the uh, Warriors and the uh, Dallas Mavericks. I'm actually really, really looking forward to the series but um, Luca had uh, it's interesting because I don't know if you saw his numbers for the series he was like 32 10 and nine something like that 32 10 and eight um, h- how would you describe if you're if you're trying to Luca is doing things his own way. He kind of plays slow motion basketball. He's very strategic with every step that he takes. He uses his body really well. He's also not a player that's gonna, you know overwhelm you with his speed or anything like that. Um, I-, I was talking about this with Travis this morning. There are moments, and I'm not trying to say that he's LeBron James, but I think you have moments where you can take your team, to a level that maybe people weren't expecting this early on. I don't think he has role players that you're looking at and say, yep, that's by far the second-best player on the team, and you know what, that roster can go win a championship. What did you make of Luka beating the Suns, getting to the Western Conference Finals before we preview them against the Warriors?
0: Well, he's playing with a lot of swagger, and he's playing like there's no expectations on him. Because he's playing loose, nobody expected Dallas to be in the Western Conference Finals. He basically is playing with house money, um, so it's not like it's different when you are playing with nothing to lose, as say the Suns or Warriors when you're the favorites and you're expected to get there. A sure. lot more, yeah, a lot more pressure on you, so you can play a little tight. But Lucas Luca is playing loose. He's loose Luca, and uh, not loose Luca, but loose Luca, and uh, he's just playing with that that joy and enthusiasm. And his teammates have uh, adopted the same attitude. And say, hey, nobody expected us to be here. There's no pressure on us. So let's go out there and just have fun. Let's play loose, and our shots will be falling. And the other teams that uh, are expected to win, they'll be tight, and their shots won't be falling. So when there's no pressure on you, and nobody's expecting you to do anything, you can be a lot, play a play a lot looser and a lot uh, smoother because uh, you got nothing to lose. So let's just go have fun. And that's the way he's playing, and he's playing very well. Well, Michael, the uh,
2: completely different story for the Warriors where I, I think the expectation certainly from their standpoint is, okay, hey, we've been there before, we've done this before. They expected to get to the Western Conference Finals. They expected to make noise this playoffs. Um, have you, do you think they've played Have they played to your expectation so far? Have they? I thought some games against Memphis they looked okay. Other games they didn't look as impressive. What do you make of what the Warriors have done so far?
0: Warriors aren't going anywhere. They're not going to win the title this year unless they do one thing. They have. Must. It's imperative. Steve Kerr better be talking about this all day today and tomorrow. they got to stop these turnovers. I mean, it's ridiculous, Mm -hmm. the turnovers that they commit. Just silly passes. Just sloppy passes. It amazes me a team with the championship experience that they have plays so carelessly with the ball. If they can keep their turnovers down to 10 or 12 a game, nobody's going to beat them. But they keep getting 18, 22, 23 turnovers, and eventually they were able to live with that so far. But uh, you can't do that against good teams like Dallas or in the finals against either Boston or Miami because you'll you pay the price for it. So they have to clean up the turnover department this, in this series. If they can limit their turnovers to 10, 12, or less, then they'll win.
2: Michael, I I, um, I think the Warriors are going to win the series. And as excited as I am to see Luka get to the Western Conference Finals, I think there's only so much you can do. And, and listen, this is a incredible challenge in front of him and the Mavs. Um, if you're the Mavs, if you're Dallas, how do you – if you're Luka and the Mavs, what, what are you trying to exploit? Like you just mentioned, the turnovers is one thing, but that's something more from the Warriors of just being careless – But if you're Dallas, how do you make this a seven-game series where everything just kind of comes down to one game? What do you think they got to do?
0: Warriors are vulnerable in two areas. Like I already mentioned, the turnovers, throwing the ball away too much. And then size really hurts them in the paint. And Dallas doesn't have size. The tallest guy is Dwight Powell. He's the same size as Kevon Looney and Andrew Wiggins and everything. So it basically comes down to wings versus wings Mm. in this uh, series. And so Dallas has the hope that the Warrior Big Four, they're shooters. Poole, Clay, Steph, and Wiggins are cold. Because if those guys make the shots that they made in the second half against the Grizzlies, then forget about it.
2: Yeah, by the way, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, if, it, if it's coming down to your your wings, uh, obviously the advantage goes to the, uh, the Golden State Warriors. So, okay, we'll see what happens there. Um, quick question for you in the Eastern Conference. Um, Milwaukee loses to the Celtics yesterday. They go seven games. I, I mentioned this earlier, and this is part of the game. Uh, obviously, not having Chris Middleton is a huge loss for the Bucks. Um, Giannis did everything he can, and I, I thought the Bucks fought as best as they can. Did did is did that series come down to, for you, would the, would the Celtics still be in the Eastern Conference Finals if Middleton was playing?
0: Uh, possibly, because that's basically two. And sometimes Drew Holiday would step up big, too. But basically, it would have been two against four. That Boston's big four of four-foot. Tatum, Brown, and Smart, and now you can throw in Grant Williams in there, knocking sure. out all those threes. Yep. Those guys were just uh, too much offensive firepower. When you're gonna have those five guys who can play consistently, and the way Al Horford has rediscovered his youth. So Dallas's, I mean, Boston's Big Four really was playing well in that Milwaukee series, the whole series, and that, that was the difference in the series.
2: Michael, the um, the matchup between the Heat and the Celtics. I'll tell you what, it probably won't get talked about as much because you got Luka going up against Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors. It's a sexy matchup. It's appealing, great marketing. But if you're a basketball fan, I kind of really like the Heat and the Celtics. I'm not telling you it's going to be – it's probably going to be, you know, two teams that will play defense that I guess you could say muddy the water if they need to or they'll be able to kind of adapt to whatever style the other team's doing – um, who do you like in this series between the uh, the Heat and the Celtics?
0: Boston, they're big four or five now with Grant Williams. Keep playing the way they've been playing. Keep shooting the way they're shooting. Their offense has been clicking. They play good, solid defense. So I think Miami with Jimmy Butler and Bam, they don't get as much consistent help from yep. Tyler Hero yep. and the other guys. So I think Boston has the edge there.
2: Yeah, we'll see what happens with uh, Kyle Lowry as well. Um, I think he's questionable for the first game or unlikely to play in that uh, that first game. Um, okay, Michael. A couple quick Laker questions, and uh, we'll let you get back to your evening. Um, three different groups here. I was talking about a little bit earlier, as as far as potential coaching hire for the Lakers. You got the assistant coaches out there that have never been head coaches in the NBA. You have former head coaches, but don't currently have a job right now. Guys like Terry Stotts or other guys. Um, uh, there, there's a there's a list there, and then you got current NBA coaches um who are currently coaching a team as we sit here and speak without naming a you know an individual or anything like that H- how do you think what do you think the priority is for the Lakers right now as they're making their as they're interviewing candidates that they're going through this process that they're thinking about what the roster will look like what do you think's most important from some of these candidates
0: get a fresh new face who someone's going to come in and emphasize defense and defending as a team and everybody being more accountable on individual defense. They can get that kind of a coach that could demand that. I don't care who you are from LeBron down to the 14th man, you're going to play defense or you're not going to play. Hmm. And apply yourself because last season, the Laker defense was just horrible. Out of position, not rotating, uh, not helping, uh, playing soft. So they've got guys who can score. Now They've got to find a coach who can come in there and implement the, the Pat Riley's type of uh, defensive attitude.
2: So, Michael, you're okay, even if it's a younger coach that hasn't had head coaching experience but has those attributes that you're talking about?
0: That's right. That's what uh, an Emi Odoka type. He didn't have any head coaching uh, experience, and look what he's doing. So you got to come in here and uh, let uh, the leaders of the team, LeBron and Anthony Davis, know we got a whole different mindset, fellas. We're going to defend as a team, or else uh, you're not going to play many minutes.
2: Okay, Michael, final one. We're reading a couple reports here that – um, it, it could happen, right? It just depending on what happens this off season, Russ could potentially be back for this upcoming year. If Russ LeBron and Anthony Davis get an opportunity to play again, uh, starting in training camp and go to preseason and, and they, you know, start the 2022 season all still in the uh, representing the purple and gold. What what do you think is the most important thing? that they'll have to learn from, from last season to apply up to this year. And I'm talking about these three trying to win together.
0: Well, just to uh, be willing to make sacrifices for the team and with each other. Just come in with that attitude that uh, I don't care who, who's an all-star or all-NBA. The only thing that matters is winning, and I'll do whatever role the coach wants us to do. That's what that attitude they got to come into training camp with.
2: All right, I'm going to assume you're picking the Warriors. Warriors in how many games?
1: Must be 21 plus and present in present and select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
0: I would love it to be four, but I'll take uh, I'll take uh, Warriors win the last game. That's all that matters.
2: I think they'll win it six at the most. I think six is probably, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's even sooner than that. But I'll say uh, I'll say Warriors in six. Michael, I appreciate it, buddy. Thank you, Thank you for doing okay. this. All right, man. You bet. All right, that okay. is uh, Michael Thompson right there. Um. Okay, <laughs> it was like rapid fire I had 48 questions for him that I wanted to get in Um. there's a, a few things that I, I think stand out to me uh, by the way his kind of fresh coach get a coach I, I don't care give me somebody that will challenge the players will play some defense will ask the guys to play defense will ask them to sacrifice for each other whoever that coach is if this is a guy that has has no experience in the NBA as far as a head coach or somebody with ten years of experience, twenty years of experience, whoever accomplishes that goal, I kind of find myself changing my tune here over these last few weeks, and predominantly because I think some of the other guys that were mentioned in the past were not are not going to be available. Okay, final thoughts coming up next day right here. This is Lakers Talk on Seven Ten ESPN. All right, thank you to you know, Michael Thompson uh, coming on here for uh, Lakers Talk. Um, okay, I got a few things I'm going to get into here real quick. By the way, if you want to hit me up on Twitter, at Alan Sliwa, I appreciate you guys being a part of the show. Um, The NBA Eastern Conference Finals is set. Celtics taking on the Heat. That game tomorrow at 5.30. And then uh, Wednesday, Mavericks taking on the Warriors. 6 p.m. on uh, TNT. Tomorrow's game is on ESPN. Um, You know, a few things that Michael hit on, and I know he gets incredibly nervous because uh, obviously his son represents the Golden State Warriors, and kind of his journey these last couple of years so i I think he is a little bit more modest when it comes to giving his prediction about the warriors and the mavs series let me say this i'm a big fan of having um luka this far into the playoffs at 23 years old I, i really find him he's one of my favorite players to watch in the nba i love his style of basketball it's listen it's superstar status what what else you want me to tell you? It reminds me of, Braun early in his career, Magic early in his career, um, a, a player that can take his team. That team's not team should not be in the Eastern Conference in the Western Conference Finals. That's my opinion. Uh, I think the Phoenix Suns obviously on paper are a better team than the Dallas Mavericks, but you don't have Luca. Anytime you have a player like that, he can take you to a different level. Jason Tatum has proven that for the Boston Celtics. So the fact that we got. Two young superstars in the East and the Western Conference Finals I think is fantastic in itself. Now, do I think that the Mavs uh, can hang with the Golden State Warriors? I don't think so. But I didn't think they were going to hang with the Phoenix Suns. I I thought it would be an interesting series against the Suns. But this matchup against the Warriors, uh, like Michael was indicating, the way the Mavs have been able to – Kind of use Rudy Gobert against the Jazz and use DeAndre Ayton against the uh, the Phoenix Suns. They can't do that against the Warriors. Uh, if Kevin Looney's having issues, they'll just sit him on the bench. Draymond Green will be your center, and they'll go Andrew Wiggins and Jordan Poole, Clay Thompson and Steph Curry. They they, they will be able to adjust. Kind of similar, the advantages that the Mavs have had against those other two matchups. They're not going to have that ma- that advantage, in my opinion. They go up against the Golden State Warriors. But it's not just about beating the Warriors. It's about seeing Luka in the Western Conference Finals. It's about seeing Tatum in the Eastern Conference Finals. This is what makes, from a fan perspective, an NBA fan perspective, this is what makes um, some of these matchups so special when you get to see young superstars kind of starting to take over the NBA. Um, the Tatum-Luca, I-, I think for me, every single night that you – and I'm not telling you that Boston and Miami are going to be the most exciting series, uh, but it- it's an opportunity to see superstars on a night and night out basis. Now, personally, I was rooting for the Suns to lose yesterday. I'm not the biggest CP3 fan, but I also wanted to see Luka. I wanted the Bucks to win yesterday because I-, I-, I love watching Giannis play uh, and obviously uh, being against the Boston Celtics. Well, now you're going to get Giannis, or I'm sorry, you're going to get Tatum now in the Eastern Conference Finals. I think that should be uh, that should be exciting. Um, one other thing that the that Michael mentioned that I thought was interesting. This whole kind of concept and this idea about who's going to be the next head coach of the Lakers. I, I talked about it a little bit earlier in the show about the the three different groups: current coaches, coach without a job right now, and then assistant. Uh, that's an assistant coach right now but doesn't have head coaching experience. I I thought he brought up a good point of challenging LeBron James, challenging Anthony Davis, challenging all these other players that you have on your team, that it it doesn't really matter ultimately at the end of the day. um, It it doesn't really matter. I I know LeBron has accomplished so much in his career, but LeBron's also got to send and be an example for the rest of the roster and the rest of the team that, hey, no, no, we, we got to play both ends of the floor. No, we cannot take plays off on the defensive side or whatever the case is. And if that's Darvin Ham or that's one of these younger coaches, I, I'm down to see it. I really am. We are seeing some young coaches have success in the NBA, but this is always the difference, in my opinion, between those coaching jobs and the head coaching job of the Los Angeles Lakers. Lakers were 16 games below 500. We know how awful last season went And we also know that the pressure that's going to be on this coach that comes in to coach the Lakers to come turn things around, it's going to be unbelievable. I mean, kind of getting a chance to be obviously a part of the team um, as far as being in these a lot of these Zoom calls, interviewing the players, the coaches. Frank Vogel, every single night, it's like it was as if the Lakers never won an NBA championship and it was less than two years ago. And every single night, some of the questions that would get lobbed his way, it was, damn. Uh, But that's what comes with the Lakers coaching job, and that's what will come with the next coach that eventually comes and uh, coaches the Lakers. One uh, last point I want to make in in regards to um, another piece that Michael Thompson mentioned. I asked him that if if Russell uh, Westbrook comes back with the Lakers, and you know what, they're not able to find a trade for him and you start off next season with Russ, with LeBron, and Anthony Davis all on the same team. W- what would need to be done differently? What, w- what do they have to learn from from last year that they have to apply to this year? I thought he said the perfect, the, the perfect description for it. Sacrifice. That all three of these guys have to sacrifice for each other. That all three of these guys, it doesn't matter what you accomplished in the past. It, ima- it matters what you're going to do today with what you have. And I think LeBron, I don't have a problem with LBJ. I think that guy is obviously um, whatever the team needs to do, he does it, and he's still one of the best players in the world. I think AD, it's more just about health. On top of that, listen, I would love to see Anthony Davis play a certain style of basketball, play a little bit more bully ball, um, kind of approach the game. I mean, I watch the Giannis in each one of these playoff games. It's like, damn, that guy doesn't take one playoff, and I don't know if I could say the same thing for AD on that front, um, but I really think when Michael says sacrifice, I'm not going to put word in, words in his mouth, but for me, I felt like that is something that, that Russell Westbrook lacked most of last season. I'll tell you what I mean by that. Sacrifice means I don't care what you need me to do. I'll do it for the team. I don't care if it means come off the bench If that's going to help this Lakers team win more or put us in a position to uh, be a a championship type of quality team or just a playoff team at this point, based upon the Lakers not even making the playing tournament, I feel like that's that's an incredible challenge for Russ, being the Hall of Fame player that he is, being the leader of most of the teams that he was on, or a co-captain, KD and Russell Westbrook. Uh, James Harden and Russell Westbrook or or uh, Bradley Beal and Russ I think that that okay at this stage of my career on a team that has LeBron James and Anthony Davis I am going to have to sacrifice I'm not going to be able to do the same things I, I was um uh, that I was successful in with other teams I'm not going to have the ball in my hands as much whatever the heck that I could do I've said this before I'll say it again I, I said it to start the show I don't I don't want to see Russ LeBron and Anthony Davis uh, together again. But if they are going to be together, certainly sacrifice is the right way to describe it, the way Michael Thompson did. Okay, so a couple things here I want to point out. Um, I'm back on tomorrow morning with Travis Rogers, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Run on every morning, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. So if you want more Laker conversation, we always, always make sure that we got a lot of uh, Laker content in there. Uh, you can always tune into the show. I mentioned if you missed any part of this show, Just search uh, Lakers Talk or just download the ESPN LA uh, uh, app and you got your podcast right there. Always will have the uh, uh, Lakers Talk podcast there. Uh, Thank you to a few people here uh, internally here. Thank you to Michael Funches. Um, Thank you to Mario uh, Ruiz, uh, Taylor Smith behind the board tonight. So I appreciate everybody helping out. LA, as always, thank you for tuning in. Have a great rest of your night.